Romans chapter 13, verse 11. On verse 11 it says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these powerful verses here. And Lord, we just, we're just, gonna, we just want to be led by your spirit. We're, we're just on, we're just here for, the, for this beautiful, beautiful word, and beautiful ride, and however you lead this study, Lord. Uh, we know it's always good because it's your word. Bless your word. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, um, this is a, an exciting part of the, uh, the Romans. You know, I tell when, when I was doing the, when I was teaching the men, I always tell the guys, um, you got to read Romans at least once a year. I try to encourage them to read Romans once a year. There's so much in there, right? And I try to do it myself as well and study it. And I, and I encourage you guys as well, if you haven't read through Romans or been a while, read through it. I mean, this, right, this is a solid book. You know, most of, I like to call it, you know, I'm not the only one to call it meat and the potatoes. Okay, if you don't like meat and potatoes, the fish and fruit and whatever, it's good for you. It's good for you, all right? So it's a really good book, and I want to encourage you, you know, to, to, to read the, uh, Romans more often. It's, real, it's exciting, all right? So now here on this particular s- section... Uh, of 11 through 14, this emphasis is on the it's on the imminent return of Christ. Man, Jesus is coming soon. Man, it, he. I mean, I'm, you, especially some of you uh, are older in the faith as, as in years. I mean, you've probably been hearing that for a long time. Right? And I've only been saved for I've only been saved for 11 years. Right? I, I was very worldly, as you guys, some of you guys know my testimony. And just this 11 years. Study because on day one I studied from day one, and man, you could just see, click, 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 and he is coming soon. So I do, I really do love this part of the section here. And like I said earlier, I was thinking about praying on reading, on doing something else, but really, uh, I know the Lord, I know the Lord wanted us to 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 read on this. So so as we read, as, so it's about returning the Christ returning. It's about him coming back, you know, to his return, you know, and as servants. You know, in the Bible, throughout the Bible, it says we want to be found faithful, right? We want to be we want to be faithful when He returns. You know, we want to be able to hear "Well done, good and faithful servant." Amen. I mean, I, I don't know one Christian, somebody that loves the Bible, does does not want to hear that. You know, so this is why I just want to. I've encouraged myself just study this morning and reminded this beautiful promises, right? So we want to be found faithful. But sometimes, you know, when I talk to different um, Christians, different people from our church and from, you know, where I work at, because, you know, they, they, they come and talk to me. And it's one of the things that uh, Christians tend to beat ourselves up a lot. Man, I, sh- I should be doing more or I should be doing something. Um, as you guys, most of you guys know, I have been on this project for almost a year and a half at my job. And I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I feel, God, Lord, why is that taking so much of my time? You know, some of you guys know I work at Tesla, and, and we got our backs against the wall. But 
he doesn't say, he doesn't say you're faithful if you do this much time. He says just be faithful. If that faithful is being faithful at your home, at your work, one person, hopefully our kids and our grandbabies, that's being faithful. So I, one of the first things I want to say before we start is don't, don't be hard on yourself. Just be faithful for the, the little bit he got, and he'll give you more. Right? And, and that's, the way, that's the way it is. God's grace. That's why I love Romans. God's grace. So as servants, we want to be found faithful. Well, I want to be found faithful. All right? So the Lord wants us to uh, constant, uh, constantly be living and expecting to, for him to return. We should be living. Today is the day. You know, right now, before we finish, probably someone's saying, he comes. All right? And that's the way we should be living our lives. Every moment, we should be, he's coming today. Today is the day. When we live that type of a, a, a Christian life, um, we will be in his will. We will be serving him. You know, call, what he called us to do, reach out to people. Those, those great, those times where you say, wow, what a quote-unquote coincidence. I met so-and-so and this is what happened. No, it's not coincidence. God planned that, that you could speak life, truth into that person. Or sometimes it goes for us, right? When we're down and out and someone encouraged you with some beautiful word of God. Right? And this is the way the, the, the Lord always expects us uh, to live. But to be honest with you, you know, the church has been asleep for a long time. It really has. I, sometimes when I read about the, 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 the Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s, I wish I was there. You know? I, 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 can't, I, I, you know, I grew up, like I told you, I've only been Christian not too long. I, I never got to see a church parking lot full thousands of people, hundreds, really hundreds of people, whatever that is. I've never seen that before. I, I, you know, I see it on, on the videos, and I go, wow, that must have been awesome. People sitting in the aisleways because no one could walk out. That must be exciting. And wouldn't you love to see that happen now? I mean, he's coming soon, right? So the church has been asleep. Well, what do I, what do I mean by that? You know, it's been lazy. But look, the, the prayers in school. I remember as a kid, it was different. But now there's nothing like that. There's no, there's no prayer in school. We wonder why our kids are coming out that way. Right? But one of the things I want to encourage you, and you know when I come up here, I don't like talking too much politics, but sometimes it got to be shared. I truly believe in my heart that, that Trump won because Christians were praying. Right? I, I do, and regardless of who you're voting for, because the, the, her, his opponent wanted abortion and wanted uh, uh, same-sex marriage and some other stuff. And the judges, that was my, the judges. And so much Christians, I mean, you could read all kinds of articles from Billy Graham, from Franklin Graham, from all, a lot of Christians did prayer meetings. We, we did one in, in the city I live. And, and, and there's a lot of prayer meetings. A lot of people praying, Lord, that your will be done. And, no, and, and look what happened. And I'm not putting my hope on the candidate, regardless of who it is. But, but, God, God got victory there. And, and through these continuous prayers, things can change. And I would love to see that revival. I would love to see that revival personally when Jesus is coming. Man, that would be so awesome. You know, why, why can't there be another revival? You know, yeah, it does, you know, we, see the, we see everything lining up, especially us that love to read the prophecy stuff. But I truly believe, I believe that because of prayer, because people were expecting us here, they know the time is coming soon, that prayer changes things. 
when you're praying, I believe you're expecting to hear from God. You're expecting to see God. And, and this, is, this is my belief, right? And so we, we need to wake up. We need to, as a church body, we need to wake up. We need to make a difference. You know, I, I go to certain events and I see certain non-Christian events and it's full for worldly things. And sometimes, unfortunately, those uh, I see there are, are Christians that don't come to church very often. And I'm like, it's just, it is what it is. We should, as the church body, and I'm just talking about, I talk about all church in general, we should be excited about the things of the Lord. We should be excited that this today is the day. Today is the day. I do. I th- today this morning when I was when I was when I was, in my, when I was studying, I said, "Let it be today." I'd love to be right here when he comes. <laughs> all right, that'd be <laughs> that'd be cool. Right? Oh, that would be awesome. And you guys right here with me, all right? But really, we need to live. We need to be living holy lives. We really do. We need to be able to share Christ no matter where we go. And that, and you know, something you hear that, but it's true. It is so true. Um, Matthew five sixteen says, "Let your light so shine before men, that when they that the, the, excuse me that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." We need to be living holy lives. You know, um, I shared with some of my some of these guys here, and, and I asked for prayers. And so within this last year. I've been. I worked for. Um, I worked for Numi, which is Toyota, in the same building for 17 years. And then now I'm here at Tesla, same building, different car, four years. And since I've been a Christian, I've been. I share my faith. You're gonna fire me. You're gonna fire me. I'm gonna share my faith. If you bring it up, we're gonna talk. And and I'm not exaggerating. This this last six six months to nine months or so, I've never seen more Muslims. Hindus, Buddhists, quote-unquote atheists, come up and ask questions about Jesus. Man, it's, it, my head right now is standing up, and it's, I had to study more to make sure I get the answers, you know, because, you know, it's, it's changed. I've always had a change with cults or atheists, right? But I've, and, and, when I, and I shared, you've got to pray for the Muslims. God loves them too, all right? So there's times where I'm sharing with the Muslims in the past the answer is always, I knew the answer. Oh, your God's your God, and my God's my God. Or it's the same God. No, it ain't. All right? I don't get that response of late. I, I have not, not. Lately, I have not. Lately, I've got see resistance. But now, because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sharing it, and, and sometimes people come by, and, and sharing Christ, I'm sharing Jesus coming soon. Look what's going on in the world. Jesus coming soon. And people are hearing. All right? Because look at look what's going on. And then next, you know, when people move, Someone come by by themselves. All right? And obviously, it's not me. I mean, look, look at his accent. It's not me. All right? But it's the word of God. And so this is how Jesus wants to see us when we're living our lives. He wants us to be able to be serving them, sharing the gospel with them, living holy lives. Because no one's going to ask you at your work or wherever you're at if you're living a different life. Things are, I already got that. I don't want that. That's what they're going to think, all right? But God's grace is awesome. He, he, he will work it. So this is, this is awesome, but why? Because the completion of our salvation, it's near, all right? Be ready. The, the, our salvation, it's, it's near. It's, it's done. He's almost, it's so close. So during this reading here, I have, about, I have four observations. And how, how can we be ready? That's the question, right? 
Well, you know, I want to be. How can I be ready? And through these passages, some things that the Lord uh, shared with me, you know, and, and for a while now. But before we get started, just to kind of overview it, Romans, just to, if you maybe don't know or it's been a while, was written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans, right? And then if you guys remember, I just finished reading it not too long ago. Uh, I, I love that um, chapter one where he says, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And this is what this whole beautiful book's about. It's about God, God's grace and God, how we live by the faith of Christ Jesus, what he did on the cross. That's why we're saved. Chapters 1 through 3, he's saying, Jews, you're guilty. Gentiles, you're, you're guilty. Atheists, you can't tell me there's no God because it's all around. There's, there's proof that there's God. Guilty. Right? And he says that, the same thing he says that, but all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's right. He gives awesome examples of before the law and after the law. In chapter 5, I love chapter 5, Romans, where we get to walk before the throne in his grace. We, could, we have access. We have access to Jesus. We have access to God. I mean, I couldn't even, I can't even have access to, not that I want to, the governor, right? Or the president. You can't have access to him, but we have access. We have free, we direct to, to our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? And then it goes to mortifying the flesh. Chapter 7, the short version, Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. Man, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I, 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 things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I, I, I want to do, I, I just don't do it. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, how many times have we said that, done that? And this is the Apostle Paul, oh, wretched man that I am. Right? Right. And chapter 8, a beautiful chapter. For now there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. No is no. No, no. It's no. In Spanish, no. It's no. No condemnation. All right. And it's a beautiful chapter, and it goes through 9 through 11 about the Jews are not left out of this beautiful covenant. There's still, there's still, there's still, there's so many years there, which is a little bit in talking about what we're going to talk about tonight, today. So 1 through 11, he teaches about the grace of God, and I really want to show that. And, and then here's chapter 12 to 16, which we're at, is the application which is very important for us. Once we know where we stand by the grace of God, it's not by my works, it's by what he did on the cross. My sins were reputed on that cross, not just to take away my cross, so that when I die, I'm able to go up to heaven with him. And if I'm here, I'm going to be able to be raptured up in the clouds with him. Right? And for those people that you share Christ with, you're going to see him again. Those ones that are already in heaven, you're going to see him again. Forever and ever and ever, all right? And this is an awesome story. So looking back, and if you want to, go, if you want to look at it, in ch- one chapter back, in chapter 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, I mean separated, acceptable to God. He says, which is your reasonable service? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then the, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And this is how this section starts. Okay, this, it's very important I tell you, share this with you, especially if you haven't read it because then you're going you're gonna to miss it. All right? You're going to miss it. And then in chapter 13, and he, you know, chapter 12, he talks about the gifts. In chapter 13, he talks about 
respecting the authorities, the government authorities. And then here we are, chapter 11. So all that being said, where we stand, the grace of God, the love of God, he says in verse 11, notice with me in verse 11, he says, and do this, right? And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, right? Knowing the time. So this first observation, how can I be ready for Christ? How can I live a, a Christ-like life? Well, the first thing I know is, see, know the time we are living in. Right? Know the time that we are living in. Right? Knowing here, the time, and where he says, uh, uh, the, it's not time like a clock. The time here is the season. Know the age that you live in. Right? That's what he's telling you. Recognize this. You know, just like if you go to work, right? If you know you've got to be a, at a time, a certain time, you're going to be there on you can, that, that time. And like a place where I work where they can shift the starting time, you're going to know. So you've got to be alert. You've got to know you've got to be there at that time or you're going to miss it. You're going to be late. And he said, know what's around you. Know where you're living right now. You know, and this is what he shared right here. So the Lord wants, he wants us to know the time we are living in so that we could be busy serving him, that we don't get caught, caught, caught uh, off guard. Now, I didn't mention this earlier. You probably saw four verses. You probably think, woo, be home in about 10, 15 minutes, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We are going to bounce back a couple of verses and come back, okay? I'd like to try to see if we could build on what the, what, the, what, what the Lord is speaking to us. So, holding your place, look at First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5. See, the Lord always wants us to know the time. Right? Look at chapter 5. Look at verse 1. He says here, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Apostle Paul has shared this particular event to almost every church. And, you know, the thing about this, too, is he wasn't here very long. I think he was here three weeks. He was only there three weeks at Thessalonica. And what does he talk about? The rapture, the day of the Lord. It's important, right? This is how we stay on track. Verse 2, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so that this day, capital D, should overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, there's that same word again, be spiritual laziness, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the, breast, the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, 
we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. I want you to look at verse, I believe it's verse 8. Look at verse 8. He says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. What is he talking about here in the hope of salvation? Here when he's talking about the hope of salvation, is, 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 he's talking about love, he's talking about faith, and hope, right? The three the main things about our faith, right? This hope, this, this hope of our salvation, he said, hey, this is your hope. This is the hope that, you know, for you to stay that course, this is, this is, uh, this is what you need to be doing. And it says here, um, let me see if I lost my spot. Oh, this preserves us from the corruption of this world, right? So hope, uh, it, it equals uh, the faith. It means, hope means faith dependent on God. Right, love is for the love that we have for one another, and the hope here is for the hope of Christ's return. And it's not the hope I hope is going to happen, right? It's I hope is today, right? I do hope is today. And 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 this is the this this section right here. He's telling him, hey, you know you know what you know what's going on. You 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 you. I already taught you these things here in Calvary Chapel, and especially right here in Manteca, we have a beautiful pastor. Who teaches us word per word, verse by verse. All right? We that are becoming in this church or have been to any Bible teaching church, which as you notice, there's least and least now, less and less, I should say, they don't go verse by verse anymore. But we go through both verse by verse so that you know. Right? And he's telling us right here on that particular on that verse that this is our hope of salvation. All right? Today, I hope today is the day that he comes. Not I hope it does happen. I hope it happens, right? So you can go back to Romans. So this is a good section to remind us that there's no excuse. We know. We know the times. We should know the times. Throughout different sections of the Bible, he's talking about knowing the times. Matter of fact, in the time of Christ, the Jews should have recognized this era, the sign of his coming. You don't have to go there, but in Matthew chapter 3, right, the Lord pronounces eight woes on the proud religious hypocrite leaders of his day, right? Like most of you guys are really, like, whoa, whoa, it starts off. Whoa's not good. <laughs> whoa's not good. That's Jesus telling the leaders. Jesus telling those who are supposed to be guiding the church. And then in a verse, on chapter 23, verse 37, after he, he, he tells them, you know, about their heart, really, right, and where they're at, he says, Jesus speaking, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. Man, what a beautiful heart our Lord has. As the hand gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. You know, my, 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 my parents, my mom, especially there, she was from the farm. And even though I'm from the city. But we used to go there, and I get that. I've seen that many times. It's a beautiful look, you know, making sure they're okay. Because, you know, they're vulnerable. And here Jesus says, I want it so bad. But you weren't willing. All right? 38. And he says, see, your house, uh, oh, we're not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more. Remember, I left this out, I'm sorry. He's about to go to the cross in a couple days. You don't see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then in the next chapter, verse 1, it says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. 
and his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. They're probably saying, look, look what we got, Lord. Look at our church. It looks good. Let's paint it. Right? We got all these nice statues. Look how beautiful it looks. Jesus wasn't impressed. Right? He wasn't impressed. They, they, they thought, wow, we, you know, we had to do something. I know you just, you just wore those guys, but uh, I know this. Look at it. Look how beautiful this church. We preserved it. And, and, and history says it was beautiful. And then it says, and Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down, and which it was. 30-something years later, it was. Right? And now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, here's my favorite part, tell us, when will these things be? Because right? he just told them about the end of the world in chapter 23. He just told them the, 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 the destruction, told them about the, the tribulation period. He talked about all, all that stuff that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And he says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be your sign of your coming and then the end of the age? Very, very, very good question. All right? They want, when, Lord? When is that going to happen? All right? When is that going to happen? See, and, and the Lord was, was, talking about, uh, was talking about the day of the Lord when he, he, when he comes in glory. So that's what they're talking about. They should have known already. Right? The leaders of the Jews, were they, were, they, were, they missed it. Everybody knew about Christ was coming, the Messiah. They were all, even they were, they were even saying, is this the one, is this the one? They were looking, they, years before him, there was false ones. So they were looking, you know, they were kind of, I guess, they were looking, but not really in the heart, right? So some things we need to ask ourselves to stay on track. And, you know, are we looking around the signs? Are, are we looking around the signs today? Like you know, when they ask that question, show us some signs, show us something. And that's what that means, right? Knowing the time, show us the signs. That's basically what they're trying to say. Show us the signs. So are we looking around? Have you seen Damascus? In Syria, yeah, right? Anybody that loves prophecy, you know, look at, look at, look at, look at Sherry, she's sitting up right now. She goes, oh, I love this section, right? right? Isaiah 17.1 says, the burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap, right? Think about this. When, that is the sign before Ezekiel 38, 39, before Russia, Magog, and God, before they... Before they go out and try to attack Israel, Damascus has to fall first. And, and, and if you watch all these different programs and see this, you see Damascus is ready to fall. Russia is now the, the big dog. Right? Russia now, they have all the forces out there. Right? And so it's, it's there. You know, and, and I want to share this with you guys. This is um, October. October, my wife and I, we went to the, the Pastors Leaders Conference up here. Matter of fact, Rick Chafin, the one's going to to teach the men's retreat it was at his church and, and if when you read uh, if the guys if you when you meet him or maybe you have met him uh, he's a very approachable pastor right and, and he knows a lot he talks to a lot of people so on one of our breaks he says hey guys how do you guys feel if we get Joel, Joel, Joel Rosenberg feed him through right and anybody knows who Joel, Joel Rosenberg is you know you write the epic center right he gives you all the updates of what's going on in Israel, all the predictions, and even his books, and, and, every, and he's well-known. So he comes on. I was excited. My wife was excited because, all right, we can see what's going on in Israel because Israel is very important, right, in, in our faith. And he's sitting there, and he's talking to them. You could tell they know each other for a while. And, 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 and he says something, one part of it, and I hope I say it 
safer. You guys can understand because it was deep. And, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say it. He says, he says, uh, you know, more Jews than ever, he's dual citizenship, Chicago, are now living in Israel. And then he says, uh, and just like the Bible says, it's going to be prosperity first before all that stuff happens, right? And he was talking about the finances there. And then he says this, I thought it was very interesting. He says, because of all the sharing of the Lord, that the king of Jordan, who's Muslim, invited him to share the prophecies that he was sharing because he saw what was going on. He saw that how this, the, the Al-Qaeda's and, you know, the stuff that, that, how could you say that's love? How could you say that's right, you know? Yeah, jihad and all that. So he was asking, and he said he was able to, to share with him what the Bible said. He wanted, well, what's going on in my country, right? He wanted to know what's going to happen in my country. And he was able to share. Now think about it. He invited him. That's, you don't hear that. You know, Jews in, in the Muslim, you don't hear that, right? And I thought, wow. And then here's what he said, right? And I thought it was very insightful. He was saying that when the gospel went out in the book of Acts to go out to the uttermost, that it went to the Gentiles, and it's going all around, and then now more Muslims are being saved, right? As a matter of fact, there's a couple of people that we, we know that do some missions in, in Israel, and they're saying people will come up to them because they don't know anything about Jesus. Who's that guy in the picture? I saw him in my dreams last night. And this is someone I know. All right? So, so obviously God is working. God is sharing with the Muslim. And then he said, it makes sense because before the Jews could go through that last seven years, the whole, it has to go all the way around. And he believed that the Muslims is the last part who's going to, every knee shall bow one way or the other. And that thing I told you earlier, how I'm able to share now with more Muslims than ever, and I, that's why it kind of clicked to me. I thought, well, that's, that's true. You know, and that's, he's somebody, right? He's, you know, he's somebody they're going to listen to, right? So and I was like, wow, that's true. And here's, the, and, here's the, and here's the part that's really awesome. He said that now, I can't remember if it was next year or this year, they are encouraging the, all of Israel to read the Bible. They've never done that. You know, never the Bible. And so they're going to read the Bible verse by verse. He was telling that to us to feed. And then, no, it's not the New Testament. But they didn't have the New Testament in the book of Acts. All you got to do is read Isaiah. And there's Jesus all over it. And so I was thinking, wow, man, here it is. You know, here it is. Now you know, Jews are going to, the ones are going to be converted. And boom, boom, boom. And what's going on there in Damascus? He's coming. Man, he, to me, I left excited. I was like, man, he, I told Priscilla, I go, man, he's coming. That was some really good stuff. So I say that because this, here's this, this, this man right here, uh, uh, Rosenberg, who's, who's encouraging us. So I want to encourage you guys as well to stay busy. Share the, expect him to come. He's coming. Yeah, he's, he's coming. And just like these, uh, on that thing I just read on the Matthew where, they're saying, hey, what's, what's your sign of the coming? There's ours. There, there, there's some, some extra uh, uh, proof that, that they're coming. And, it, and it's, it's an awesome, come on, you think about it, to read the Bible. They've never read the Bible verse by verse. They always have someone read it to them. And if, uh, I believe Israel majority is, is atheist, right, or something like that. They're not, a lot of them don't even share. So that's one of the one first things we need to uh, to know is know the time we live in. Recognize, hey, it's time. 
When you, once you recognize the time that you're living in, you'll find urgency in your walk. You'll find urgency to share the gospel. You, 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 you'll want to serve. Right? You want to get involved. You want to share at work that uncle and that's someone you haven't seen that sometimes you don't want to see, but you got you to tell them. You got to tell them. Tell them. <laughs> tell them. I know you there's a relative that says we don't want to share it. Share it because we're going to be changed anyways. Share it. So that's awesome. It's coming. The Damascus, it's coming. So back to Romans. So know your time that you're living in. Look at, continue to look at verse 11. It says that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The second observation is that Church, we need, we need to wake up, right? He's saying right there in verse 11, the second half, that now it is high time. There's that word again. And that word high time is kind of like high noon, right? He says cowboy movies, high noon, right? High noon. It's hot. It's the middle of the day. Now it's time. Wake up. Wake up, church. That's what he's telling us, right? High time to wake up. Like I said earlier, this sleep, sometimes you read in the Bible, sleep, it means to die, but in this one, it does not mean that. It means to be lethargic, to be lethargic. And so he's telling us, don't be, can't be lethargic, right? High time, it's now. Now is the time. Now, there's one more place. There's, there's going to be probably one more after this, too. Hold your spot and look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to talk a little about while waking up. What does that mean, waking up? In chapter 25. And we'll just read through it. And it's the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. You open it up in the middle, all the red letters, that's it. That's it. You guys ready? Yeah, this, is, this is awesome. This is really good right here. Look at this. We're going to go. It says, Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened uh, to ten virgins who took the lamp and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamp and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with with their lamps. So right there, as we read, you you have ten virgins. Five of them are wise and five of them are are foolish. And remember, whenever you read, Oil in, in the Bible, especially the Holy Spirit, I mean, in the Old Testament, he's always talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And he's saying, five them took the oil in their vessel with their lamps. And then look at verse 5. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all, look at that, all ten, they all slumbered. It don't just say the foolish. All ten slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out, go out to meet him. All right? Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us, for us and you, but go rather to those who sell it and buy yourselves. You might look at it and say, Wow, that's, that's pretty mean. No. If the oil is the Holy Spirit, someone can't come and get my Holy Spirit. You better, you got to know how to present a relationship with the Lord yourself. That's mine. Yeah, you got yours. All right? So no. You say, hey, you're being lazy. You've you got to go get your oil. All right? Look at verse 10. And while they went to buy, right, they're gone. They weren't busy. They weren't ready. They were sleeping. 
Right? They, they weren't prepared. The bridegrooms came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Verse 13. There's that word. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Powerful, powerful verses, right? Right? The Holy, like I said, the Holy Spirit cannot be purchased. Something very interesting, when you look at verse, verse 10, and verse 10, where it says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who already went in with them to the wedding and shut the door. Uh, it's right there, and there's, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, it says, we're, we're ready and went with him to the wedding. And when you read that, in the, the, the surrogate or the Vulgate versions, it says, came with the bride. It says, came with the bride. And what does that mean to us? So to us, the Lord will return from the wedding with his bride. All right, that's awesome. That's, that's us, the church. So for those that don't believe in the rapture, when you can look that up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13, he's basically saying when we come back, when we see Jesus come, the rapture, we're going to be coming back with him. All right? But what happened here? Well, right here, this is telling you right here that those five never really knew the Lord. For us to know the Lord, we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and we have to have the Holy Spirit living in us. The other five, were just, they're, just, they're just going through the motions. Yeah, they look like, but they, you know, they, would have, they should have had the oil ready. But they're probably, you know, you could use our term, right, going to church and all, doing all the quote-unquote right things. But they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So Jesus, you go back to, uh, to uh, uh, Romans so we can finish up. So they did, right? Watch. That's the main thing. Watch. Because you never know when Jesus is coming. And going back to chapter, uh, Romans 13, uh, so they didn't know the glory. So we need to always be ready. The Holy Spirit in us, right? Our personal relationship with Jesus. And then when it says there, now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Here it could mean salvation is nearer, right? For me, I told you 11 years ago. I'm 11 years closer to the Lord. If you're one year, one month, you're that much closer to, to, to seeing the Lord. Or if you're 20, 30 years, it, you're that much closer where it says that, uh, um, where it says that your salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Sometimes some people read that and say, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm not saved? You know, almost there? I've heard that before. But I, and I'll just read this to you, right? Because every day, right, we are saved. Every day, every day, uh, I'm sorry, every day we are saved, uh, we are getting closer to his return, I'm sorry. But it also means in Hebrews 9, chapter 9, 24 to 28, and I'll read it to you. For Christ has no, not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the truth, but into heaven itself, not to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, right? He died once. Our salvation through his dying once. As the high priest entered the most holy place every year with the blood offering, blood of another, he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, there it is again, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, that's Jesus. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after that, the judgment. And then verse 28 of chapter 9 of Hebrews says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. This is awesome. So what is that saying? I'm no longer going to have this messed up, corrupt body. All right? I'm going to have a new body. 
all those things that tempt, tempt me, all those things that are thinking in my head, all those things that I really want to just, mm, that's gone. All right, that's what it means by your salvation is closer than it was before. You, we're going to have this, uh, the perfect body, right? The, the awesome body, and that's so encouraging. This is why we need to focus on the return of Christ. Keep going, right? So, so right, so Jesus is coming. He's coming back to take us to the Father's house. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Here, what is he saying? The night is far spent. The night of sin, it's almost gone. It's almost ran its course. This age, it's almost done. Jesus is coming soon, all right? And we're talking about the day, the day of the eternal glory is about to dawn on all believers. And remember, night always represents darkness, right? And he's saying there, therefore, let us cast off, all right? Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We are to be ready to, every day for the battle. Every day we should be able, we should know that we're going to have a spiritual battle, the Lord does not want us to continue to grow. The Lord does not want us to be faithful. In Ephesians chapter 6, 13, and I'll read it to you, it says, the armor of God, we're supposed to take up the armor of God. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with our prayers and supplication of the Spirit, being worried again, being watchful to the end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. So we are to have the armor of God. We are to have a helmet to protect what goes in our head, the breastplate to cover our hearts, to have the feet to be able to share the gospel and hold on to the ground, our, our our, our walk, right? And, and then the only offensive uh, weapon he has is the, the Bible, the sword, the, the, the Bible. Remember when, the, when Jesus was tempted? It is written. That's all he said. It is written. No, no, that's a lie. It is written. He went right to the word of God, right? Nope. All right? Verse 13. It says, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. So the third observation I see is that we need to we need to clean up, we need to put off. We need to to what is what is things that we need to clean up in our in our personal lives? Is it something you're watching? Is it something you're saying? You know, what is it? What are, what are those, those things need to need to be out of our homes, right? We are to, and it means to when it means to put off, it means to put away, put to the side, to get rid of those things that are going to hinder you. What is hindering you right now? What is you know? You could ask yourself, what is hindering me right now? What is distracting me to to be able to 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 live that life that's pleasing before the Lord? In Romans chapter one, uh, chapter twelve, verse one through two. All right, what is it? These are the things that we need to clean up. Right, gives us all the tools. Right, we are to live a, a, a life openly. It says there, right? We're supposed to live like in the day. Right, those who are living in sin tend to do it in the dark. You know, back in the BC days, right? You went to the bars or you went to the wild parties. When was it? When was it wasn't 9 a.m. <laughs> it wasn't 9 a.m. The lights weren't dim. You know, it was dim. It was dim. Right? It was it was in dark places to do dark things. All right. And I would, you know, they issue all the different stuff there, right? It shows drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, and envy. 
you know, there's, there's a lot of, you can see it, a lot of sexual uh, stuff on TV that could stumble you, man or woman, right? It stumbles you, and a lot of this is sexual as well. But one thing I do, like, for kind of just, is the drunkenness. As Christians, we need to watch out. We need to watch out when it comes about drinking. You know, you could stumble yourself, stumble your brother. You know, it, it's not doing any good. No one in the Bible to say it's good. You know, so that's just a, a, a love warning, right, to, to anybody here. Don't even take it to your house. You know, don't, alcohol, it might be legal, but other things now become illegal, like marijuana. It's not good. And as a Christian, you know, Jesus does come, what are you going to do? All right, what are you going to say? It's Kool-Aid. He knows. Right, I encourage you. I encourage you. All right, it's not good for your health, too. It's not good for your health. All right? So, so I'm going to read this from 1 John, because you do. You, you want to be living right for, for Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, it says, and I love 1 John, it says, And now, little children, abide in him. That's what you got to do. we got to abide in him. How do you, know, you want to be in God's will? Abide. Hang on to Right, some people that worry about the salvation. Are you biting? Yes, you're saved. All right, that when He appears, Jesus, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want Him to see you come and I'm seeing something I'm not supposed to, drinking something I'm not supposed to, drinking, saying something I'm not supposed to be saying, gossiping about something else I shouldn't be saying. All right? I don't want to be ashamed before Him as is coming. If you know that He is righteous, and we do. You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. He says, behold, observe, check it out, right? What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Oh, a beautiful verse. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So why are we, why are we partaking with the world, right? Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Man, we're going to be able to see Jesus face to face. Man, that's, just, that's awesome. That's exciting. So this is, should be some encouraging, right? He purifies us. He cleanses us. You know, First John 1, 9, when we're struggling, we, have, we, we stumble, we could always go to the Lord. You always go to the Lord if you know him. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fill its lust. I remember the first time I read it, it's like, how do you put on Lord Jesus Christ? You know, how, 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 do, I, how do you put on Lord Jesus Christ? Because I know all the times where I, I'm falling short, failing, how do you put on Lord Jesus Christ, right? Well, what he's saying here is we need to put on Christ. Oh, I'm sorry, my next observation is we need to put on, we need to grow up. We need to put them on. We need to stop Drinking milk, the word of God says you should not be drinking milk. We need to grow up, right? We need to put on, put them on. Don't be scared, put them on, right? <laughs> put them on. He, he, that's what he wants. He wants you, he wants to identify with you. We identify with him, right? This means that we should adopt his whole lifestyle, right? Live as he lived. Accept his, uh, accept his and, and our guide as an example. John, John 13 is a good example. And the only way you're going to know that church is if you know the word of God. It's the only way you can know his example. You know, and, and, and there's so many different versions. You could hear it on, on CDs. There's a lot of versions. We need to know what the word of God says and what it means to my life. 
This is how we know who our Savior is. This is the only way. This is the only way we're going to be able to do that. Right? If, if, if I'm going to know uh, my wife, if I'm getting to know her better and, be, and try to do things that are pleasing before her, I want to know what she, what she likes to do, what she loves to do, what, 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 what does she doesn't like. And that's the only way we're going to do that is through the Word of God. That's it. That's it. All right? And then when you look at that second half of that verse, it says, and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no provision for the flesh. This is the old corrupt nature, right? It's always crying out, right? It always wants to be fed. It always wants to be fed with, with, uh, with worldly pleasures, right? And then that word, uh, um, that word provision, it means to plan ahead of time, right? That means it's Monday, and you're already thinking about going out that Saturday night. Right? You already plan to doing it. You know, everything starts off in your mind, right? So let's, let's, let's look at this. We'll close up in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. All right, so how do I put on Christ? How, do I, how, how can I know the example of, of who Christ is? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1, it says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, right? Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. We should be heavily minded. We should be able to looking to see, to seek out the things that are above, that would please the Lord. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things in the earth. Verse 3, for you died. Yeah, you died. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is our identity. This is who we are. Us who follow the Lord, we are, we are Christians. Right? We're not perfect, but we're Christians. Right? We, this is who we should identify with. Not my job, not the people at my work, not my, my baseball, football team. Uh, I'm a Christian. You know, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Verse 4, when Christ, who is, our, who is our life, appears, then you also will be with him in glory. Right? I tell you that the wrath will come back with him. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. Fornication. That's any type of non-married life. That's uh, a man and woman that aren't married. That's homosexuality. It's, it's all of it. Uncleanness. Passions. Evil desires. Covetousness. Which is idolatry. Verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. All of us that didn't know the Lord were under these categories. Verse 8, but now you yourself are to put off, there's that word again, all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put the old man with his deeds. Verse 10, and have put on the new, man, the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him, that's Jesus, who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Since I've been a Christian and I, very, and I love my culture, I'm a Christian before I'm a Mexican-American. I'm, I'm a Christian before I'm American. I'm a Christian before I'm a Mexican-American. I'm a Christian. You're my brothers and sisters, right? You, you, I, I identify with Christ before my culture. And I, lo- and I do love my I'm very proud of my culture. It's a beautiful culture. But I'm a Christian first. 
you know, with my brothers and sisters at work here, I'm closer to you guys than, 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 my, than, than my culture that don't know the Lord. All right? So this is, that's beautiful. Verse 11 is a beautiful verse. 12, uh, this says there, Therefore, as the elect of God, that's us, holy, separated, and beloved, put on the tender mercies. There is what we should be doing. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, which means patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. We should be forgiving to one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must forgive. You must do also. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace, there it is, for someone wondering how I get peace in my life. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here it is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Awesome verse. That's how you put on Christ. There it is right there. Others, God first, others, others centered. You know, this will, when we put on Christ and do all these things, knowing living today, the last day of Jesus coming, you want revival? Well, this is how this revival could get started right here. All right, this is how it gets started in your lives. It starts here in your own heart. I want to be a better husband. I need to love. I need to be forgiven. I, need, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better, a better brother. You know, I want to be a better worker. I need to put on Christ all the time. It's not summer wear, winter wear, right? It's all year wear, right? All year. We, we should be putting on Christ. And God is awesome. He's going to come soon, church. He really is. He really is. And I don't want to be, uh, when he comes, I don't want to be ashamed. And you could be doing things 363 days a year, not one day, right? He is gracious. I don't want you to forget that. So nothing, like we read about the verb, temper, nothing more important than your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have that personal relationship and you're in the word of God, you know that your desires will become his desires, and you'll just be connected with Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are thankful in, in uh, these four verses of how you remind us, Lord, that you're coming soon. And, Lord, how you, you cheer us on. You want us, Lord, to be faithful. Lord, you want us. You're cheering us on that we're able to, to, to be able to love one another. And, Father, as this, some of us here are, are struggling. So I pray for anybody here that's struggling with anything that's hindering their personal walk with you. And they know right now in their heart. And, and Lord, I, we, I pray for these people, whoever that is. Regardless of what it is, as we know, Lord, it, sin is sin. It's no big sin, little sin. It's all the same, and you will wash it and cleanse it for those who know you. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Let today be a new day, for your, your word says your grace and your mercies are new daily. So, Father, I pray, Lord, for our church, that as we're getting ready to move to this new building, that we can be busy serving you in, in this lost world. I pray, Father, also for our children, our grandchildren. I pray, Father, that you protect them. Give us the words to be able to speak truth into them, biblical truth. I pray for the marriages here. I pray you bless them. 
And those who are single, I pray that you, 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 you bless their singleness. Use them right now until you bring that special somebody in their life, if that's what they desire to do. We love you. We're excited to see you soon. And our prayer is that there will be a revival before you come real soon. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.